Welcome to the Wellbeing and Career Work podcast. I'm delighted to be chatting with television producer turned mum, turned entrepreneur, turned career coach and host of the Second Act Success podcast. Shannon spent over 16 years as a television producer in New York City and Los Angeles. She then decided to stop producing shows for others and start producing her own life. Shannon pivoted to open her own business, running a successful Snapology franchise, teaching children STEM education. After being asked by so many people how she made such a drastic career change, Shannon launched a second business with Second Act Success, which has a website, secondactsuccess.co, where she coaches women to produce their best life by changing careers, starting a business and following their creative passions to the fullest. Shannon shares her journey from television executive to business owner and mum through her Second Act Success podcast as she interviews inspirational women who have made the leap into a career change and transitioned into a happier, healthier human. Shannon hopes to motivate more women to make big moves in life and follow their dreams through her businesses and podcasts. After all, we have one life to live, so why not have many careers and adventures along the way? And on today's podcast, we'll be chatting about career pivot for mums and women. A very warm welcome to the podcast, Shannon Russell. How are you today, Shannon? I'm wonderful, David. Thanks for having me. No, my pleasure. So let's get started. Where are you right now on planet Earth? I am in the States. I'm in New Jersey. New Jersey. So if you can give a brief review or overview of New Jersey, where is that in relation, relation to, say, New York yep. or, or Massachusetts? Are we close by? Yes, we are just south of New York. We are touching New York. So I'm about an hour from New York City. I'm down at the beach in New Jersey, right on the East Coast. And how is the weather as we speak? It is pretty nice. I mean, it's probably in the 50s. So it's, yeah, there's a little sun today. So I'll take it. All right. Okay. We won't complain with that, like here in Ireland. So I briefly chatted before uh, we started recording. So can you give a little bit of an introduction about your background? Sure, absolutely. So I am part Irish and part Italian. <laughs> and <Okay. laughs> I I grew up in New Jersey um, and always wanted to work in Hollywood. And that was kind of my dream to work in television. Grew up here and then I ended up working in New York City and Los Angeles, um, working in television for about 16 years. Wow. Okay. So um, in terms of LA and New Jersey, which is your favorite? I'm going to put you on the spot, Shannon. What would you say? I have to say L.A. I love Los Angeles so much, but I did come back to New Jersey just to be closer to my family. So, yeah. So and I'm raising my little kids here, so I do love it here as well. So what was the, say, fascination with Hollywood? I have just always since I, I we, we clock it back to maybe when I was in the first grade, I just I was a television kid. I watched TV. I wanted to be an actress when I was really young and I just wanted to get to Hollywood. I wanted to work in the entertainment industry in some way, shape or form. I was just obsessed with anything performing and I was intrigued by behind the camera And as I got into college, I found out what a producer did and how a producer actually takes the idea and makes the show and gets it to air. And that became a new fascination for me. So I kind of put aside the wanting to be on camera and I really wanted to be behind the camera making things happen. And that was just my dream since I was very, very little. I I started at what we call the California bank when I was probably in the first grade. And every time I would get money, it would go in that little bank and, um, I made it there the first time when I was 18. My parents took me there as a graduation from high school gift. So I got to see Hollywood for the first time. Pretty cool. So even as a young age, you were so determined. Yes. 
yes. <laughs> and who would be your hero? So like a producer that, you know, in Hollywood now or, or previously, who, who who would you look up to, your inspiration? I, honest, I know everyone says it probably, but I always looked up to Oprah. I just love that she kind of had her hand in all things entertainment from, you know, producing her show to producing movies to acting. She just kind of did it all. So I always have, I grew up watching her and have always just idolized everything she does. Pretty cool. So t- tell me this, right? So in terms of the producing, so you gave a quick overview of a producer. So you have like obviously the directors and you have uh, the executive producers. So how does that actually work? What's a quick overview of that? So who, who would be the most important making a movie? Or how does it all start? So say, for example, I have an idea tomorrow. So for any budding enthusiasts out there that want to become an actor, uh, work in Hollywood, um, how, how is that process? I have an idea tomorrow and who do I go to? Sure. So you would take that idea most likely to a studio or to a production company that would take that idea, listen to you, and then try and pitch it to the higher ups. Um, so in film, it's a lot different. You can be a screenwriter, you can be writing the script, and maybe you have an agent, and then that agent will try to shop it around to the production company or the studio. If not, if you are in with the studio, the studio, whether it's Fox or um, Warner Brothers, whatever it might be, they are the final decision if that movie will get made. So they have to look at the script if they like the story. They usually have someone on the inside that reworks that story and gets it to a place where they know the locations that will be shot. They know how many actors need to be casted. And then they start working on the budget and really how much it will cost, where they will shoot. Once it gets that green light, then everything starts moving. And the producer, and there's a ton of producers, but the producer or the executive producer, those are the people who have their hands in all of the different parts. So they're handling people who are doing the casting, they're handling getting the director and working on what it will look like. They're working with rewrites on the script and just kind of taking all the different parts together and making sure that we stay on schedule and on budget. That's fascinating. So, I mean, the budget part, I mean, will they not make a movie, even though it's a great idea, if they feel it's going to be too expensive to make? You know what? That's a good question. I think um, if they feel like it's popular enough, like it's going to get its return, then they will most likely spend that money because they know a huge blockbuster with... um, Will Smith or whoever is going to make the money back when it hits the box box office, then they're most likely um, interested in, and willing to put that money out if they think they're getting it on the back end. Sometimes now, I feel like with social media and things, if you just have a big name in that movie, that name is going to draw people. You know, if that person has a big social following and can right. get the word out and do the press, so. No, it's, it's fascinating because I, I was I'm a big fan of. Um... Jerry Bruckheimer and mm. uh, Steven Spielberg. It's just those those type of uh, movies like from E.T. And when you can sit down and watch your popcorn, you can watch Transformer movies, you can watch Top Gun, all these type of films. So it's fascinating to hear you saying how pretty much it starts out. But generally, competitive-wise, so see actors going to Hollywood, trying to crack in, in, into the industry, and they're trying to get to these movies and, you know, the producer auditions. I mean, how difficult is it? 
It's very difficult. Um, it really is. And I always say that Los Angeles, New York City, those are the entertainment industry in a whole is all in who you know. So right. it's all about making those connections. And I always say it's being so genuine and being the nicest you can and friendly to everyone because not in a way where you want someone to do something for you or get you, you know, cut the line, but you want to have those connections. So if someone is passing a project, they're going to think of you first. So I think it's really just going there, knowing who you are, being friendly to everyone, making those connections, networking, and then just, you know, grinding it out and just working hard at your craft. And I have plenty of friends who we moved out there around the same time and they've changed careers. You know, they've decided to go in a different direction when it didn't work. And I have others that you know, did really cool things and they did shows and they were in commercials and, you know, really had that taste of that experience and then realized, okay, I've had enough. I'm going to check that box and I'm going to try something else. And some are there and are, you know, big names that you would know that are doing great. So it really runs the gamut. And I think it just comes down to where you want your life to be at that time and how long you're willing to put in the the grind and the hustle. Right. So just don't give up. Don't give up. No, absolutely not. Do you have to have a thick skin, so to speak? Is there a bit of ruthlessness you have to have inside you to keep on going forward? Because you hear a lot of these stories of certain actors and they'll say, like, you know, I've done I did a thousand auditions or, um, you know, trying to get my movie made and I was just being pushed aside. But you have to, as you said yourself, you have to just keep on pushing and pushing and pushing. But obviously try to do it in a in a nice way yes <laughs> yes and i think definitely like a tough skin is obviously going to help you a lot to not take things so personally and not be so sensitive but it's really having that confidence in yourself to know like hey i'm i deserve to be here as m- much as anyone else and i'm going to try so hard until either it happens or i choose that this is not my path and i want to try something else so yeah, I think just having that thick skin and knowing that you're you're trying your hardest and that's all that really matters at the at the moment. And Shannon, can you name drop any place, any restaurant in LA that's a, a typical hangout for producers or or directors that if somebody wanted to meet them? And is there any of these restaurants? Do you ever see them? I I always get surprised where there's always seem to be one or two restaurants in Los Angeles where um the celebrities always seem to hang out. Is that the oh way it is, or are they yeah. specifically handpicked? Yeah, it probably is. But I feel like restaurants change so much. And for me, it was more like I was there. Gosh, I was more of like my 20s and 30s. So I was at more of the the bars, like there's Barney's on San- Santa Monica and, you know, um, Cabo Cantina on Sunset Boulevard. Those were places where like the youngins would hang out with each other. But right. as far as like where the big wigs hang out, that's in a place that I did not get to. So those are probably closer <laughs> to like Rodeo Drive, Beverly Hills area. <laughs> we'll, we'll Google it. That's what we'll Google do. it. We'll yeah. Google it. And, and the, I'm fascinated by this now. And hopefully anybody that's listening to this that wants to get into into uh, either acting or producing or directing, uh, this might be a help. I mean, what was, what was your perception then, before we move into our main topic of today, don't worry, Shannon, I haven't gotten about that. But before <laughs> we move into our main topic of today, I mean, your perception of before you went into the industry to now, was it what you expected? Yes. Um it was. There, I mean, it was, but it was... It, I feel like my path went a little differently than I had thought when I was young thinking about 
you know, things. I thought I would go to LA and work on a sitcom like Friends or something like that. And I didn't. I worked on more of entertainment news and even reality TV and things like that. But in the same vein, it was so exciting. And just being there was everything I could have imagined. So I think you just learn about yourself and you navigate your way through the industry and find where you're supposed to be. So yeah, it it, it was everything that I had hoped. And so. did you have to study anything specifically or would you suggest anything to any listener what they should be looking at to study either in high school or college, which may help them uh, to enter this industry? Like, you know, drama, uh, yes. English, literature, is this what we're looking at? Um, definitely. I think theater, drama, um, also, if there's a television studio or like a tech club in your high school or even in college, that is fantastic. I was part of the um, television station for my high school. I went to college and ended up studying communications and journalism and film. So I really worked and learned all the different areas of broadcast media and and film and, and communications. And I think that gave me a really good um, background for different parts of the industry. Um, I did not end up I was a minor in theater for some part of my college but I didn't end up graduating with that so but if you're looking to be on camera definitely being in theater and and getting into theater in your community there's so many great um, local theaters um, and that can just teach you so much as you're growing up when you're young in high school and in college so you finished this and you became an intern then at CBS News and, and MTV I mean what was that like and how did you get into that well, actually, David, that was before I became a, a producer. So oh, wow. The, Even better. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was while I was in college. Actually, I got those internships and um, internships during college, at least here in the States, is really where you go. You work for free and you kind of get to see what the world would be like when you're working. So for me, I got to learn at CBS News that I did not like hard news. So that was a really great thing to learn. Um, And then at MTV, I learned, oh, I really like this pop culture entertainment news kind of thing. And that's where I got my first start out of college and really grew my career. Um, I worked for MTV for many, many years um, on both coasts. So so yeah, so that was my interning. um, And then I went into producing. And then when I decided to leave producing, that's when I decided to open my own business. Brilliant. I mean, have you any fly-in-the-wall stories that you want to share before we move on to our topic? Anything that, any celebrities you met which were amazing that kind of stuck with you or any anything that happened in MTV which you thought, wow, that I'll always remember that? Yes. I mean, I traveled the world with MTV and worked with, like, huge bands and, you know, got to work with Justin Timberlake and Destiny's Child before, you know, Beyonce was really big. And so, you know, I kind of came up during that time of Britney Spears, Mandy Moore, all of those people were um, just getting their start on Total Request Live or TRL, um, which was MTV's big show back then. And so, yeah, getting to work with them when I was like their age and they were starting was very cool. Um, So that was just amazing. So many times of traveling and being in Mexico with different bands and putting on shows. yeah, so many stories to tell from from that. One of the nicest celebrities I ha- I always say is is a very obscure one. I don't know if you've watched Happy Days. If you oh get yes. That. Okay, so I've met Henry Winkler, which oh was wow. Fun. 
And a lot of people in Hollywood will say he's one of the nicest men ever. And he truly, truly was. He was on a show that I was working on and just went around to every single person on set and shook their hands. And I'll never forget that because he's just the Fonz. So it was he's really cool. the Fonz, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. That's that's because I know there, there, there's there's so many memories, obviously, with Ron Howard as well. In, oh, yeah. in in happy days and uh for Henry Reekler no he's he's uh he always comes across as a nice man so it's lo- it's lovely to hear that you know you've you've felt that experience uh with him as well um that's great not there mate Destiny's child Justin Timberlake Mandy Moore <laughs> yeah. I think I had a crush on Mandy Moore I had many years ago I think I had sorry I know Mandy. And now she's a huge actress and and just as wonderful. So yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mandy. We I'm sure lots of people have crushes on you. I'm sure they do. Yes. Um, <laughs> so let's chat about our main topic today: career pivoting from mums and women. So we start out. Why do you think it's important, Shan? You know, to focus on mums and women specifically. Because I think a lot of times we start our career, we graduate and we go on this path of what we think we want to do. You know, we're always asked from when we're quite young, what do you want to do when you grow up? And we start on that path, we succeed. And then we kind of get to a point, maybe it's in our thirties, forties, where we kind of say, okay, life is changing a little bit. Maybe I became a mom or maybe, because maybe I realized that that first career I always strive for, um, isn't as fulfilling anymore. Or maybe you just feel like you've already accomplished it and there's nowhere to grow from there. And that's where you start having these thoughts of, okay, well, what next? I still have all of my life to live. And so I feel like with women, especially, we feel stuck a lot of times, um, especially when kids come along or, or if we're married and we feel like, oh, now I have a partner and it's hard to switch from what I was doing, or I have kids that depend on me and it's hard to try to switch careers when I need to pick them up at three o'clock. So I think that's when you start feeling this sense of losing yourself kind of, and not feeling fulfilled as a person, you start feeling more obligated to those around you. And I feel, I feel like I felt that way. And sometimes I still feel that way. And for me, I really wanted to focus on helping women to feel unstuck and to know that there is more out there and that you don't have to just stay complacent. Do you think, Sean, as well, I mean, have things improved, do you think, over the years? To help I, women stay within the career, especially women that you know want want to have children and keep the consistency of their career and building the career and maybe being ambitious. Has it improved or is it still the same, do you think, in your own opinion? I like to think that there's a little bit more flexibility in corporate America, but I don't think it's come as far as it should at all. Because and and maybe it's a lot of us putting that guilt on ourselves right. when we go on maternity leave or when you know, I'm just talking for myself when I was still producing and leaving work at four o'clock instead of six, seven o'clock, because I had to commute back two hours to get my kids from daycare. Um, That was a lot of guilt and stress that I put on myself to leave my team. So I think it's just not, I still think there's a ways to go in corporate America for sure. But I think since COVID, one good thing that this pandemic kind of taught people is that there's ways to pivot do things online, you know, kind of make a way for yourself with, you know, digitally with things that you have at home. Um, and I think that's a huge um, accomplishment that we've we've come to in the past few years. 
is it as well, Sean, that, or, you know, when we see a lot of these, say, marketing images specifically from certain organizations or companies or what we see pretty much every day, is the reality very different, do you think, in your own opinion, from what we might see a company portraying saying we've an open culture, uh, we've a just culture, we've a diverse culture? Is that just marketing, do you think, in your own experience? I I think so. From my experience, I think there's still people at the top that, you know, are the white men that, you know, lead industries and maybe don't know what it's like to have to leave early to go pick up your kids or to, you know, just to have that flexibility. So I do think a lot of that is is still marketing, but it's going to take time for things to change. And I think a lot of women are trying to fight for that change as women become the leaders of companies and try to change the culture. You know, it's and there's a lot of men who have to take care of their kids, too, and leave early. And I think when you're in that situation, you're more sympathetic to it and you yeah. can make that change, you know. So it's I think it's just being, you know, being thrown into a situation where you need that flexibility. Gosh, even if it's a family member who is sick or there's somebody that, you you know, my mom was in the hospital recently for a back surgery that went wrong and I was lucky enough to just close my laptop and go take care of her, but there's not everyone who can do it. But when a situation like that comes about, it makes you realize that flexibility for anyone in the workplace is so dire and important. And I think it's once you're in a situation like that, you can see it for the other people around you. If that makes sense. Is your mom okay now? She is okay. She's finally home. Thank you. Good. That's more, most important. So is there more women, do you think, in leadership roles now? because of this, you know, hopefully positive changes in in the world or in, in, in industry specifically. Have you noticed that yourself? Is there more women in more management leadership roles? Yes, I have noticed that. And I think especially coming out of the pandemic, knowing that we can do a lot of our work and our, our managing from home. So I think it's given that flexibility for women leaders to say, you know what? I can work from home three days. I can go into the office and oversee things two days. And it gives me that extra life, work-life balance. And I think, you know, if any company can give you a little bit of that, your work ethic will go that much further. So I do think there's been some changes. And you know what? There's always going to be women who don't want to have a family and they want to focus on work. And that's awesome. That's wonderful. And if you're able to do that, then great. Be that boss and work you know, until 10 o'clock and lead that team, um, more power to you to be able to do that. But then there's also going to be women in the same position who want more of the flexibility. So I think as long as the company culture is accepting of both, then, you know, we're in a good place. And I have definitely seen that change since the pandemic. So I think that is something that um, we can be thankful for. Well, in, in relation to flexibility, Shannon, so we, you know, we, we have a time off and if you need to kind of run maybe for a sick relative, uh, a short notice. I mean, if you were sitting in the boss's chair now or you were talking to the boss specifically of a big corporation, what, what suggestions would you give them to help them to kind of say, look, we need to be more flexible and, and we need more time off. We have to understand in society, um, you know, women may want to have children but they also want to have a career. So how would you put that to them if they were listening to this today 
and they're kind of saying, well, no, no, money, money's more important and we need to have growth and we need to share price. I mean, <laughs> you're trying to get it. How would you argue that point? I think it's, you know, well, show us what you can do. So if if you're saying we're going to allow you to take X amount of time off maternity leave, we're going to allow you to leave early to go pick up your kids, we're going to allow you to have this time when your family needs you at home, but show us that you're getting the work done. Because you want to have that flexibility, but you don't want your employees to take advantage of it. So I think it's important for management to really show that maybe it's a one, two, three strikes you're out type of, of method. But for an employee, I would think, and I've been there in the past during my maternity leaves and, and being pregnant while working, is that if I can still get my work done, then there should be no discussion. If I leave early because I'm not feeling well that day, as long as my work gets done and everyone's happy and I'm achieving my goals, then there should be a compromise. There should be an, it's okay, you're doing your work, so we're going to leave it to you. However, I know that some employees will take advantage, and we've also seen that since the pandemic, that there's some employees that were able to work from home, and they were at the gym, or they were doing this, and they weren't getting their work done. So I think the leaders of companies need to have some kind of policy in place, and maybe it's a you know, weekly check-in. It's a something you need to submit to them at the end of each day, at the end of each week to show what you've worked on. And if it looks like someone is slacking, then you're getting called out. You're going to be spoken to because it's you want to make sure that that flexibility is in place, but that people are not taking advantage of it. So I think that's what I would say is you put those things in place and let your employees know that you can have this flexibility, but we will be checking in with you and making sure that everything gets done. And if it's not, then we're having a discussion about maybe this isn't the great, you know, the right place for you. No, I think that's that's that's, that's great uh, uh, tips because I know a previous company I worked for they used to have a it's like a meeting every month, and you'd have it with certain management or supervisors, and you could kind of air your opinions. And in fairness to them, they actually took note of what you were suggesting or what you were saying was happening on the line and uh, they tried to put the positive changes in, in place so I think what you're saying I I, I totally agree with can I ask then Sean what, what about as a mum throughout your career and as a woman I don't know can we separate the two in terms mm -hmm. of what was the hardest challenge that you've ever experienced or you ever encountered or frustration that you've ever had well David, it was that, um, you know, really when I was working in Manhattan, I had a almost three-year-old and I was pregnant with my second son. And it was that um, having to leave my team at four o'clock so I could be to daycare by 6 p.m. to get my son. Right. So that was the the hardest time. And that's where a lot of um, my wheels started spinning as far as, you know, can I continue in, in television or should I pivot to something else? Because that stress... And maybe a lot of it was put on myself, but it was leaving my team, feeling guilty about leaving them. And luckily I was in charge at that time. But regardless if I was the boss or not, I felt bad leaving my team. Even though I was working on that bus for two hours, I still felt the guilt and the stress of leaving. I felt like I was getting in trouble, even though there was no one to yell at me for it. Right. I just felt bad every single day. And then I felt that stress of taking the subway to the bus, to the car to get my son. And then the stress of knowing 
all of that and I see him for an hour and then he goes to sleep. So right. I think it was just all of that was just a lot for me. That was probably my biggest breaking moment of um, realizing that I needed to change things. Did you ever have any moment in your career that you kind of had to double check yourself that because you're a woman in a position of authority, did you have any subordinates that you found it difficult to manage because maybe their perception of working with a woman who was a boss and they couldn't handle that. Did you ever experience anything like that? Or if you did, how did you manage it? I did have that happen um, on two occasions that I remember. One was with a um, woman who was underneath me at the time, but she was older than me. And that was a situation where it was a little funny. She didn't like the fact that I was younger than her, but had more experience. And that was a, a funny situation. And, Honestly, she wasn't able to handle it and they let her go. My, okay. my So that was an awkward situation and have never really had that happen again. There was another situation where there was a male underneath me. I still remember on this one reality show and he just had to do everything in his power to show that he knew more than me. Right. And that was a very big um, personality, um, you know, issue with us on on set to figure out and um honestly i kind of realized that it was more of a a a boys club than anything else and that it was a losing battle for me so i i i finished my job and then i did not work for that company again oh wow okay but did it help you did that experience with those two individuals did that kind of help you moving forward to manage the situation any differently later on? Because I know my own experience, I know what you've, you've said that you kind of, you, you either, was it, is it fight or flight? You either, you, either, <laughs> you either stand up for yourself and then, but unfortunately things can actually turn out worse and you can end up getting fired or whatever it is. Or uh, the flight part is that you kind of look, it's not going to work out here, I, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Would you handle anything different now with your experience and knowledge of, of that at those two events? I think I just realized that you need to surround yourself by people that you are like and that you want to work with. And I know that's not always easy in all of our situations. I'm sure you have a million of those yourself. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. But but for me, it was okay. Well, if I'm going to work on this project, I want to make sure that it's a great situation from the get go. And I was always really cautious of, you know, in TV, you go from one project to the next and you just, you jump around a lot. It's very freelance and um, project-based, but you end up working with people that you want to work with. So, you know, if I was staffing up a project, I would bring on friends and people that I knew we could work well together and vice versa. So I think moving forward, even to my other businesses now, um, really it's all about who you work with and having a team around you that is as strong as you are and that you really, you know, together you are that team that can achieve so much. So really just looking at only bringing the best people alongside you on this journey. No, it's brilliant. No, it's, it's, it's that's why it's great talking to you today because it's the, you know, the, the experiences you're actually providing that if anybody is feeling this as well, any moms or any women that, you know, it's not just you. It can happen to happen to anybody and generally by experiencing these events in your life, no matter what they are, um, 
it helps you grow as a person and helps you be stronger. And uh, no, it's great. Thanks, Shannon, for, for sharing that. So let's talk about then career pivoting. So what is a career pivot in the most simplistic way? It's basically just knowing that, okay, I did this one career, it was great, or maybe it wasn't, but now I'm going to try something different and I'm going to pivot to start something new, whatever that might be. Beautifully explained. And what about then for women or or moms? I mean, if you have all this experience, so you've gone to college, so you got to high school, you got to college, you, you have, uh, say, 20 plus years experience. Um, you want to go back into the workplace after having children. Um, it, it's the reality of it all. Is it easy? Absolutely not. It's it's definitely not easy. And especially I think there's different parts to it because a lot of times we work, we invest, we do all this education to get to where we are. And it's hard to break away from that because A, we feel like our identity is wrapped up in that. You know, that is who we are, which it really isn't. But a lot of times we feel that way. And then also is that we don't want to dismiss all of that hard work. You know, we work so hard to climb the ladder to this position. It's hard to kind of close that chapter and move on to something else. So no, it's definitely not easy, but it's easier, I should say, when you have a life change or you're in a different position where you can kind of look at it like, okay, I need something different. This isn't fulfilling me the way it should anymore. I have one life to live. So let's think about what will make me happy and what I can do. How can I take the skills from this first act, if you will, and move it into my new act? What about then, and it's going to be kind of a harsh reality here. What about age for career pivoting? Um, Does it get more difficult when you get older or does experience actually count or do companies now not really care about your experience. It's the dollar that counts. The cheapest wins. I sure hope it doesn't come to that. <laughs> We're the cheapest <laughs> wins. But, but I think, um, no, I don't think age matters at all. And um, now as a career coach, I have worked with people who as young as 24, I think, um, was one client I had who just graduated from college and realized, I don't want this degree at all. This is not what I want. I don't want to work in this industry. And now she's trying to do a pivot before she really even started. So, you know, it can happen at that age. And then a lot of people, yes, when you have kids or when you get married, you realize, ooh, maybe I need a change and I want to start something that can allow me the hours or the flexibility to fit my life now. And then there's retirement. There's a lot of people who get close to the end they retire, but they don't want to stop working. And now is their time to find something that can really fulfill them and that they want to do. Maybe the money doesn't matter as much at that age. You've got your retirement all set and you are just ready to do something that you can enjoy every day. Um, So yeah, I don't, I really want to believe that age does not matter. And if you're looking to switch careers, I, to go back to the piece that you mentioned about experience, I do believe that your skills can be transferred. So the experience on your resume up until whatever point you decide to to pivot will add to that next chapter, that next act. So I think corporations now, if they're looking to hire and you're looking to go to a different job at a different company, people are more open to looking at 
different things that you've done. It's not maybe our parents' generation where they had one job from, you know, graduation to retirement. Now people do not, you know, it's rare to stay at the same job forever. So I think um, bosses, managers, um, recruiters are looking now at people who have the experience more than the lengthy amount of years that you might be at a particular company. Uh, what about has has the how do you say the retirement age in the states, for example, and um, especially for say moms or women that want to go past retirement age? I think it's sixty five in the states. Um, is it sixty five in America? Is it? I believe it's sixty five. Yes. Yeah, but we can. They are bosses allowing that now. That if you want to stay on a bit longer, you can. Is that a, is that an, an option these days? Yes, yes, absolutely. I haven't um, heard otherwise. I think you can stay as long as you want to. I just know that it's that is when like our Medicare and pensions kick in, all that kind of stuff kicks in around 65. So a lot of corporations, you won't get those added benefits if you don't stay until then. But you're, um, I have not heard of any companies kicking you out at 65. That's good. That, that's so a hopefully positive. Not. <laughs> so Sean, so if, 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 a mum or a woman was to go to you tomorrow and they say, look, I I want a new job. I just had two kids and I want to go back to work or I want a career pivot. Step by step or what type of structure would you tell them to follow to kind of get the process going? I always say learn and leap. So by that, I mean especially if you do have a current job and you're making money that you're actually in a really great place because now you can actually take that time while you're earning a paycheck and you can research what it is you're thinking about. So if you're interested in, you know, going into teaching or opening your own business, whatever it might be, start doing the research, maybe have conversations with people that are in those roles at those companies who have started a business, whatever it is, do your research to really kind of flush out that idea to see if it truly is what will be best suited for you. So you don't want to just, you know, quit your job, jump into something else to find that, oh, this isn't what I thought it would be. So do your research. We have so much free, um, so many free resources at our disposal online now. So you can really research even within your social networks on LinkedIn. You can reach out to people, ask questions, um, look within your network to see if there's someone that you know that might be, that might have a connection at a company you're interested in, or at least that maybe works in that industry that you're thinking about and ask them for a warm introduction. Or nowadays, a lot of people are you know, happy to do an, um, what we call an informational interview. So you can reach out to a company and just, you know, reach out to someone online and say, Hey, can I pick your brain for five minutes to just ask you a little bit about this industry or about your role and get as much information. So you can either say, yes, this is something I want to proceed with, or, you know what, I'm going to cross this off my list and I'm going to move to the next idea I have and research that one. That's brilliant. And it is, I mean, do you find that confidence is a big issue for women getting back into the workplace or moms? Do you think that's that's the biggest hurdle? Because although we're chatting here today quite freely and you have the experience, you have the background, uh, you've you've seen it and done it, but and you want to do more. But do you think generally there's a lot of women out there that just don't have that little bit of push that they need? I do. I think it's confidence, but it's also, um, you know, maybe feeling like 
they don't want to rock the boat in the situation they're in. So a lot of moms, especially, you know, feel like they don't have the flexibility in hours because of childcare and maybe their partner isn't supportive. And if they, you know, a lot of times when you do pivot, not all the time, but a lot of times you are taking less of a salary, you know, if, or especially if you're starting a business, that's going to take some time to get off the ground. So you might not be, you know, contributing to your family like you were when you were working, you know, full time. So it's a lot of times I think that's that nervousness that you're not going to have the support from family and friends. And I guess that is confidence, right? It's just feeling a little doubtful. And I think that's where I come into play as a coach of just saying like, okay, well, let's do our research this way. You, you know, you've done everything, you know, this is what you want to do. You know, this is what you can expect. And then as you do that research, you start feeling more confident about your decision and about your idea. And then I think that, helps you feel more confident before you actually take that leap and that, you know, you're able to go to your partner and say, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is what my timeline looks like. This is what I'm projected to make. This is how it's going to, you know, fulfill our family in a better way. And I think the more you learn, the more you do get that extra confidence that it is possible. Your your typical day, Shannon. So uh, to give, any ladies out there who need a bit of motivation and encouragement um, and to show that you're an entrepreneur, you're a businesswoman, you're a coach, um, what is your typical day? So from the moment you wake up to getting your first cup of tea or a cup of coffee, I mean, you, you obviously have the drive and determination to what you do every day, to where you are now and um, throughout your life. So what is what would be your typical day? That's probably the most simplistic way of, a, of asking that question. So any lady out there who wants motivation, Shannon, Shannon's your lady. Go for Shannon. Tell me. <laughs> well, for me, I'm a mom of two little boys. So they are my um, my focus. So I take them to school every morning and then I come back home to my home office and I work on my first business, which is a franchise business called Snapology. And we teach Lego building and STEM education. And I've had that business for about six and a half years. That was my first pivot out of TV. So I focus on my emails, my correspondence. I check in with my team. Uh, I have a team and a director who handles that company for me, but we're in constant communication. And so I First, check my emails, make sure that we're in a good place there. There's nothing that needs my attention. And then I switch over to um, Second Act Success, which is my career coaching business. And I really focus on my clients that I am talking to that day. I look at my week ahead. Um, Do I have any calls? Am I guesting on any podcasts like yours, David? Or I have a podcast of my own. So am I recording that day? So it's really just going through what needs to happen that day. Some days I spend on working on my podcast, solely recording and editing my podcast. Some days it's just client calls all day where I meet with my clients virtually, discuss what they are doing to try to change their careers or grow their businesses. Um, So it's really every day is a little bit different, which I love. Um, And all the while I'm checking in with the other business too. So it's a lot of going back and forth and then (laughs) then picking up the kids at at three o'clock. So that's all done before three. 
it's done before three and I pick up the kids and then um, my husband's really good. We kind of say, okay, what do you have? Oh, I really need to work for two more hours. Okay. I'll take them to sports or practice. So um, it's juggling every day is different. Like I said, but there are some evening meetings that I have um, once in a while, but the good thing is that I kind of structure it around the children so that I can, you know, they are my first priority. So if I need to be with them, that's what I do. But um, they're also very understanding and they just love that I work from home. So <laughs> that's all. And, and you do, I mean, you seem to have the balance with the work life at the moment, don't you? I, I'm still working at it, but yeah, I feel like I'm a knock on wood. I'm in a pretty good place with, with everything right now. I, I'm on your website here. I'm being quite nosy here, Shannon. So uh, secondaccess.co and you have so much information there. Uh, so if an individual or a mom or do you just generally work with moms and women or do you work with men as well and corporations? How does that work? Yep. I'm, I mean, I, I focus like I target um, to women, but I have had men take my course. I've had men that I've worked with and have reached out to me as well. So I think it's just a personality if, you know, you kind of connect with, you know, my social media and what my mission is, then we can absolutely work together. Um so, so yeah, I'm really just for anyone who's kind of feeling a little stuck and just needs that little accountability, that little help and guidance to get to that next step. And and if a, an individual is getting in touch with you, how, how does the process work? I mean, is there, I, I have in your website here, if there's an introductory call, is there to find out uh, probably both parties' needs or wants? Is that how it works? Yep. I offer free strategy calls so we can get on a call and talk for 30 minutes or so, however long, and just talk about what you're thinking and what, you know, what you're trying to pivot towards. And then we can see if we're a good fit. And if, if so, then we can, you know, we'll talk about coaching packages where we can meet, you know, once a week, twice a month, whatever it might be to really help you achieve your goals. Um, I also have a course that is coming back out this spring that um, I ran it uh, this past fall, which was great. So that's kind of a little accelerator where you do it with other students and try to get through to actually give you the blueprint to move and actually start your second act. So there's different ways. I'm hoping to open a membership um, in the coming months as well, where we can kind of work together and do some group coaching. And your coaching, is it generally via like Zoom or is it face-to-face as well? Or, and is it global as well? It's global. Yep. It's all on Zoom. So it's all flexible based on your schedule. I have clients in different countries. So it's all, you know, whatever works for you, we make it work. And however much help and accountability you need, we have. Some clients want to chat twice a month um, and that's great. And I also, within my coaching packages, I offer like unlimited emails and Voxer support, which is kind of like a walkie talkie app. So I can talk with my clients all day, every day in between our actual sessions. So if something comes up, they can shoot me an email like, hey, can you look at this resume? Can you check out this job description? Um, So I feel like I just want to support them in this tricky time, you know, to make sure that they do do have that confidence to actually take that leap and not not regress and get stuck again. Oh, that's brilliant. And and your podcast as well, the Second Act Success Produce Your Best Life podcast. Um, what can listeners expect from that? And more likely it's better than this one. But generally, <laughs> much better than this. Honestly, the ratings for the Second Act Success podcast are through the roof at the moment. But generally, what, what can a listener expect from, from your podcast? 
Yeah. So on the podcast, it really is is so much fun. And as you know, right, it's like a full-time job, but just so much fun to get to talk to people all over. And and on my show, I interview people who have already, you know, made the pivot and started their second act. So they tell us their stories about how they went from being this to this. And it's really inspiring and they share their advice. And then I also have experts come on. Um, I have an expert in the next couple of weeks who's going to be talking about opening a franchise. I have someone booked to come and talk about if you want to write a book. So just different experts to talk about different second acts that you might be interested in. And then I just share my own advice in solo episodes as well and kind of talk about different topics and and fears and different blocks that you might have when you're thinking about starting something new. And you have a newsletter there as well that uh, people can sign up to. How does that involve? Is it a monthly or a weekly? It's a weekly newsletter and it's really just a nice spot that if you forget to listen to the podcast or you want to see, I I basically list all of the podcast episodes from the week. Usually I do two a week and it'll list whatever blogs I might have out. Um, I give a little snippet of career advice and it's just kind of me checking in and saying, hey, this is my week. I'm a mom, a woman just like you. And let's talk about, you know, this crazy world we're in and making it work for us. And the social medias, are you on all the LinkedIn's and the YouTubies and all that type of stuff? Yes, I'm everywhere. Everywhere, um, Second Act Success. The only one that's a little different is Facebook. I'm secondactsuccess.co. Um, but yeah, I'm all over. I try to share different career pieces of career advice, um, inspiration, links to the podcast and my blogs and, and all of that. Well, thank you so much to uh, Shannon Russell for chatting with me today on the Wellbeing and Career podcast. Uh, I've been, been a joy to chat with you, Shannon. I'm, I'm a big fan of movies and finding out what it's like to be uh, you know, producer or director or or your your insight into the industry, but also helping uh, try to get moms and women into um, pivoting careers or to get back into the into the workplace. And your story on Henry, Henry Rinker, <laughs> brilliant absolutely brilliant but uh, what I'll do is once the podcast has been approved by Shannon um, I'll put all the links uh, to all the social media and Shannon's website uh, secondaccess.co so thank you so much to Shannon Russell for telling me today thank you so much David this was so much fun thank you